Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to episode 305 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putfay, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. We want to wish everybody a happy new year. This is the first episode of 2023 for Habs Unfiltered. Um, unfortunately, Matt Smith can't join us. He is in Moncton visiting family. Um and we would have probably done this sooner, but uh, as you can tell, my voice is still not quite 100%, but it was gone for several days. Thank God. I yeah, mean, Trey had a little that's, ter- that's terrible. It's terrible, Blaine. Terrible to hear. Terrible. It was horrible. It was hilarious to hear, though. It was, especially when you're like, I want to talk to this guy at the World Juniors. Can you talk to him and I'll just record? <laughs> The faces they made when uh, I had to ask the questions. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. That's what happens when you do too much karaoke, I guess. Whatever. Welcome to the jungle. I don't think the beats goes like that. I think it's a little bit or heavy. That was in my EDM version. <laughs> That's where we should take Scott Wheeler and uh, and uh, Michael Stevens and them tonight karaoke. I mean, it's a Tuesday in Halifax. What else is there to do? Valid point. Yeah, yeah. Karaoke it is. Anyway, so uh, for this episode, however. Uh, We're going to save our World Juniors talk for another episode. But for this one, we're going to talk about the Canadians. Um, The losing streak that they have been on. Possible trades. Some rumors that we've been hearing. Some uh, chatter that we've been uh, privy to recently. So uh, why don't we just dive right in and discuss the Canadians' horrible December, which ended on basically the note we'd expect but not quite as bad um, losing seven, two to Florida and then getting completely spanked nine to two against Washington. Not the way you want to end the month. No, but injuries are starting to pile up. Uh, let's be honest uh, against Washington. They didn't have Savard. They didn't have Madison. They didn't have Gooley. So your three top defensemen are gone. Um, Monahan's gone. And let's talk about, We'll talk about, I'm sure we're going to talk about Monaghan later, but let's talk about the fact that Monaghan, it's been an important role for the Canadians this year. They lost their second line center and it's been tough for them ever since. Um, So the injuries are piling up, but I don't understand why people are freaking right out about it. Like, yeah, there's going to be some fire dumpster games, but what did you expect? Like this team is, was never, any more than a bottom 10 team. 
I might have to change my whole bottom 10 theory and say bottom five, but technically it's still bottom 10. So <laughs> they're only, they're only uh, six from the bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, they could drop. I, I don't think they're going to drop from the five teams that are below them. Um, when they get some people back that are healthy, I think, uh, you know, it's going to turn out, but they do have a tough schedule. Florida also has a tough schedule. Um, Another thing I'll bring up is you can't be team tank and then get mad because they lose. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, no one wants to see a seven, two blowout or a nine, two blowout or whatever. No, but that's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. I mean, Montreal beat Florida last year, 10 to one in the final game of the season. So even good teams have blowout games. Um, True. But I think the whole team tank and basically everybody who's on board with the rebuild, um, it's not the fact that they lost. It's how they lost. And losing 7-2 against Florida, had they put in an effort, would have been a little bit better. Same For with sure. Washington. For sure. But you know what? I think it's getting late in the season. Well, it's midseason. It's getting around Christmas time. I think players, some players are getting checked out. Some players need, uh, you know, that kick. Apparently, from what I've seen this morning – happy he he ran them hard at practice so uh you know yeah, he said get into what satisfied. st louis was talking about in a bit yeah it, you know he was not happy with their effort and 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 rightfully so um i mean we've always said on this show we don't care if they win or lose as long as they make it a good game make an exciting game and it was all good exciting games right up until the month of december and then you started getting to the oh they got down by two goals uh, and they lost three two you know, they got, you know, the third period was the only period worth watching, really, uh, because that's the only time they, it's almost like, oh no, we're down by a couple goals. We got to start playing now. Um, the talent just isn't there for them to compete on a regular basis, on a nightly basis. Um, no, we don't want blowouts, but I go back now, mind you, on Twitter, I got the years wrong because I said four. Okay, it was six. Sorry, Twitterverse for the wrong years. But if you look at the way Colorado did oh. theirs, don't get me wrong. Colorado was a bit more advanced with the level of skilled prospects they had at the time with Rantanen and McKinnon and so on and so forth. But they had the worst season ever for a cap era team with 48 points um, in 2016. That led them to drafting McCarr the next year. Right. And then four years after the next year, they win a Stanley Cup. So uh, now, again, Colorado was a little bit more advanced with their prospects. They had already had Ranton in there. They had McKinnon. They already had two elite players to help lead them. However, Montreal is in a perfect place this season to possibly get two elite players that could propel this rebuild and uh, put them in a, in, in a better spot faster than what they uh, – anticipated i anticipate five years before they're a contending team yeah that's that yeah at, at max because you have to take into account development time mm -hmm. so they let's say they get six and ten this year six with their pick ten with uh, florida's pick for just for argument's sake that's two elite players but those two players will not be nhl ready right away and then it will take them three to four years to reach their potential number six might be depending on who they get um you know in general in general yeah. this is what i'm getting yeah. at 
It's going to yeah, take but, them that long. Uh, well, then that's just it. And then you have Slavkovsky. So like everyone's kind of, oh, Slavkovsky's not what we thought he would be. He's exactly what we thought he'd be. Like he's 18 years old. He's in the NHL. I, I believe in this development system. I'd rather see him with Nichols, Nick, uh, Nicholas, Nicholas. I always say Nicholas. Yeah, I'd rather see him with Adam Nicholas than in the AHL with. Uh, and uh, the reason I say that is because Nicholas is there for development. He is there to teach the players, the young guys, exactly what they need to do. What he's there to teach them what they're not doing well at. And Martin St. Louis said this at the first of the season. We know what they can do with the puck. We know what they can do here. We're not developing that. We already know what they can do. We're developing other aspects of the game. So when you look at Slavoski's hockey DB thing and go, oh, my God, the guy only has eight points in 30 games, wherever, whatever it is. I, I don't have the stats in front of me. They're not working on his points. They're working on his off-the-puck game. They're getting him to be tougher at board battles. They're getting him to use his body more to fight open ice and fight open space and use his body. I mean, if you haven't noticed, in December, his hits have gone up. His board battles have, have been better. His skating is better. Um, so when it comes to Slavkowski, if you're just looking at points, then you're looking at the wrong things right now for his development because that's not what they're working on. That's not what they're concerned with. Well, I think the big argument with Slavkowski – um, whether he stays or goes or goes to the AHL or whatever with, uh, with a lot of the, uh, the Twitter discussion has been, he's not being played enough, but if you look at the last five games, he's averaging 12 to 14 and a half minutes per night prior to, uh, prior to December, he was at about 10 minutes. Yeah. Now he's at 12 to 15 minutes. So he's, he's gone from fourth line to third line minutes in a third line role, including power play time. And the points are starting to come. And like you said, he's adding layers to his game. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Slavkowski is not going to be a hundred point scorer in the NHL. He's no, going to be, a, he could he's be... going to be a six. He's going to be a 60 to 70 point guy on average. Yeah, exactly. But right, a guy that would Ray. be. Yeah. But it, the way he plays, what he brings to a game. You look at uh, Mikko Rantanen, for instance. That power game, he's he's at, at best a point-per-game player, which is amazing, don't get me wrong. But his impact on the game is more than just a point-per-game. He he impacts defensively. He impacts uh, – he, he breaks down defenses. And that's what Slavkovsky – that's what they're going for. Yeah. And and you can't judge Slavkowski till he hits 21, 22 years of age. If say next if he turns out to be like Cotton Yemi, so say this year he yeah. ends up with 25 points, say the next year he only ends up with 15. And then you see because Cotton Yemi stopped developing. He stopped yes. improving. So he had that rookie campaign. And let's be honest. Okay, I see why he was in the AHL in his first year. He had what thirty-four points or something like that as a rookie playing third yep. line. That's pretty good. It was the next year that he, there was no improvement, and you can blame the team because I, I can tell you right now the team didn't have much emphasis into development. You can blame doesn't matter who you blame. 
some people say, well, cotton Emmys doesn't listen. And some people will say, you know, well, I, I think it was column A and column B put together, to be honest with you, because obviously in Carolina, he's not really improving his game there either. Um, so if you see a track record like that with Slavkowski, then you can worry. Right. But I don't think you're going to see that. I don't think this development team's going to allow that to happen. Well, the development team's much, uh, much better now. They've got a plant in place. They're, they've modernized. They've got more staff. So that that bodes well for the future. Now, <clears throat> to the Canadians on the roster and their play now, um, we, we talked a little bit about the last couple of games, and we hinted at what St. Louis was doing. Like you talked about St. Louis bag skating. Um, he is losing his patience. He even said there's an expiration date on his patience. And I think he's reached it. Um, the bag skate kind of says that his public comments where he's calling out players for their lack of effort that says that. So the, uh, the honeymoon's over. Um, he, he's trying to motivate these guys to, uh, to compete. And his whole thing is he likes an everyday player, quote unquote. So a guy that shows up to work every single day. With him, I, I don't think it's a, um, you know, it's not necessarily the impact or the production. It's he wants to know that you're giving absolutely everything you have on that day. Like you look at David Svart before he got hurt. You can argue that he's a third a third pairing defenseman playing well above his pay grade. But you can never question his approach or his work ethic. He's doing absolutely everything he can. Is he effective? Eh, kind of, sort of. But he's working his tail off. And then you look at other guys in the lineup, and they're not quite giving everything they have. And that's what's pissing him off now. And really, if you look at it, and this makes sense, that the veterans are the ones that are looking worse than the rookies, because a young player is going to play his ass off. Because the Jack Eyes, the Harrises, the Kovac, uh, Kova, um, I can't speak to Kovacevich. The Kovacevichs and uh, the, all those guys, they're working their ass off because they're like, I want to be here next year. I want to be here, you know, after Christmas. And they're working their ass off. Uh, Suzuki Caulfield, although their production has slowed down a bit here in December, just like everyone else, um, they're still putting a solid effort in. Um, Slavkowski, whether you think he should be in the NHL now, is putting a solid effort in every single game. Um, but going back to him, I implore you, just watch his game away from the puck. That's what you got to be watching right now when it comes to his development. Um, but then you have guys like Huffman. And I, I don't want to say Druin because I personally think since he's come back from his injury, he's been putting a lot of good effort in. Um, I, a lot of people are going to say yeah. you're full of shit, drag, you're a Druin lover, or whatever. I just, I do see an effort in Druin's game. The effectiveness, however, is not quite there. The effectiveness the is not there, is. but the effort is. Like he's not being effective, but the effort he's putting in is there. And that's why he's getting the power play time. And that's why he's getting, I think the pairing uh, defense or the uh, lines this morning had him on the uh, second line center. So, um, oh, and by the way, he's been leading the Habs in faceoff percentage since he came back from his injury, just thrown that. Yeah, out I, want, there, I want to talk a little bit about the center here in a minute, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, so, but you're seeing a lot of guys not putting the effort in like Huffman 
is one uh, Joel Armia is putting effort in, but again, his effectiveness isn't working. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys that I could Dvorsky. I don't think his effort's been hundred percent lately. Uh, um, I don't know. And, I, at watching him play, I, I can see he's in the right positions. He's doing all these little things that he's always done. He's just in one of those, like, he's one of those guys that, he'll score a bunch of points and then he'll disappear. But defensively, Josh. he's always, he's always yeah. there. It's like Josh Anderson, Josh Anderson, get his goal or two cool. goals and then 10 games, he won't get anything. But Josh Anderson still puts effort in. See, this is, this is the, the thing. No, that, no. Uh, I, I disagree. I well, disagree. He hasn't, I he, hasn't like, he hasn't really been too much effort lately, but normally you see he, him putting the effort in. He's the Kovalev type when it comes to effort. Yeah. He'll yeah. he'll be there for a game or two and then he'll disappear for four or five. I just wish he had Kovalev's skill. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Because let's yeah. admit, Kovalev could score whatever the hell. He could have broken Gretzky's goal record if he wanted to and tried 110% every, every night because he was that skillful. When he get the puck, he knew he was going to score. We'll talk about that on uh, the World Junior. Uh, a question I heard at the World Juniors that I thought was hilarious. Just, anyway. just so people can understand our our little inside joke here. Yeah. Somebody well, actually asked Connor Bedard, <laughs> "When you get the puck, do you expect to score?" And his per his reaction was perfect because he went, "No." <laughs> like, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> I'm trying. That? I'm trying. Well, I'm I mean, not yes. expecting. He he wants to score. He's trying to score. He said, no, I, I, what, his answer was, I just try to do my best to create a scoring chance for me or somebody else on the ice. Face he made, though, was priceless. Priceless. Uh, um, it was awesome. But anyway, back to uh, Anderson. I don't see the effort there as often or as consistently as it should be, especially for I'll, a guy I'll who's agree with that. I'll agree with that. considered to be like a, you know, a core adjacent and so yeah. important to the team. Yeah, I, I can agree with that lately. I mean, Anderson's always put effort in, even when he wasn't scoring. But I, I can, yeah, I'll agree. I find maybe this month he's one of those guys that's kind of checked out this month. Um, yeah. Um, the whole fourth line, like Armia's put an effort in, but no effectiveness. Evans, I mean, Pizzetta and Evans has been putting the effort in, and, and they've been rewarded with a few points. Um, I mean, but Pizzetta always put effort in, so it's not like – but again, he's one of those guys that, like, I want to stay here. Like, if I don't put the effort in, if I don't play, nothing's stopping them from trading me or throwing me on the waiver wire. So – it's a tough mix because the guys who want to stay are the guys who are still learning or the guys who want to put the effort, the guys who are still learning and the guys not putting effort in, you know, I mean, I would dare say even Edmondson is having a up and down effort type thing. I don't know Edmondson, what it is with Edmondson. Can... He hasn't it, been on his game all him? year. No, he hasn't been on his game, but uh, the efforts there, in my opinion, the efforts there, it's just he was injured. He's not quite – he wasn't quite 100%. He fell behind, you know, and he his game is not quite polished yet. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's going to be in Edmonton with a first-round pick coming our way and something else probably. That's more than nice. likely. 
That's my guess. We'll but with, get that with in the Armia, next segment. But yeah, but with Armia, he's that he's the one that really upsets me the most because he's got all that skill, oh. and he's he's basically just a black hole for goals. No matter how close you get, you're never quite in the net. I uh, I love watching him play. He can stick handle inside a cat a little shoebox. Uh, yeah. The guy has so much talent. Like when Montreal first acquired him, I think I said on this show, if he stays healthy, he's a 20, 25 goal scorer easily. Right. And, and uh, he was on pace his first two season with the Habs to score 20, 25, if he stayed healthy, but he had injury issues. Maybe the injury issues just piled up on him. And now he, I don't know what to, what it is, but, and the since he's come back. Cause the shooting's been off. Well, since he's come back, he's he's the efforts there. He's trying. He's working his ass off. But man, post and miss nets and he reminds me of Lekkinen when Lekkinen was with Montreal that he just couldn't hit the net. And now that Lekkinen is in Colorado, all he does is hit the net. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about Armia. Um, maybe the, it's the all the weight of that big contract for playing on the fourth line of wearing him down. I don't know. Could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we can agree that December sucked. The effort wasn't there. Say Louis not happy. But I want to look at tonight's game against Nashville. So the Predators. Predators are not much better than the Canadians in the standings. They're only about two points ahead. Um, last year, they looked amazing because... Uh, UC Saros was playing Vesna uh, style hockey. Uh, uh, Raymond Yossi, in my opinion, should have won the Norris because he not I only agree. put up 90 plus points, but he he was the defensive specialist for the team and he did everything for them. So you got those two guys who were well above average. Then um, uh, Duchesne was a point per game player. Uh, Forsberg was scoring at will. Now all those players are kind of pedestrian this year, and that that's dropped them considerably. But they're play; they're still in the playoff hunt because the West sucks, <laughs> just absolutely sucks. So right now, Gallagher, we're not too sure if he's going to play tonight because he got hurt again at practice. Um, <clears throat> There's a lot of injury problems. The top pairing for the Canadians right now, and trigger warning, the top pairing is Joel Edmondson and Justin Barron. Like Barron, I like the game that he plays. He's been pretty good since he's been called up. But top pairing? Well, Gooley's out, so you're not going to have Gooley up exactly. there. Uh, Barron's a right, Evanston's a left. Uh, if you haven't noticed, the top pairing always had a right guy on the right and a left guy on the left. Um, why? Well, I, I don't know. For me, he wants to have kind of a score with a defensive guy, so you're not going to see Savard with Edmondson. Um, but if I'm the Habs with the way things have been going for them, I have no issue putting the two best defensemen you have on the top pairing. And that's Savard Edmondson. Let, let's be honest. Um, I think the second line is uh, Jack Eye and Harris. 
Uh, nope, no, it's Harris and Weidman and Jack Eye, and it's either Kovacevic or I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those. It's a rotation there, but Jack Eye's yeah. on the third pair, and Harris is on the second. Okay, either or. The, you know, like Weidman's in there. Savard was back at practice in a normal jersey. Whether he plays tonight, I don't know. They didn't say, but I noticed when I looked on Instagram there that he was in a in a regular practice jersey. So uh, maybe he'll be in tonight, uh, which probably means Weidman drops to the third line instead of the second line. Um, yeah, I mean... The goalie thing and the goals going in was bound to happen with the, the yeah. amount of shots and the amount of high danger shots that Montreal was giving up all year. Um, so that's no surprise. Uh, Montembeau is getting the start tonight, um, which is fine. Uh, St. Louis said he made Alan a mistake. Alan needs the rest. Well, St. Louis also said he made a mistake by keeping Allen in for all nine goals too. So he, he said exactly. he should have pulled him earlier in the game and he didn't. He hasn't pulled a goalie yet. So um I don't know. I I didn't see Alan walk by St. Louis and uh, talk to uh, to uh, Hughes and said he's it's his last game at Montreal. So I guess that's uh, I guess that's good news. Um, and another thing uh, I, I want to bring up that's going on Twitter about how we need better goalies, get rid of the goalies and all this kind of stuff. We don't need better goalies right now. Now is not the time to worry about improving the team with trades for veterans or or trades for. If you want to get, I mean, if you get a deal to get a better goalie that's mid twenties, go for it. But uh, yeah, stick with Allen and Montebo until you're at that point where you want to take the next step. Um, and right now, goaltending is an issue with Mont- going to be in, like for the first time in twenty years, fifteen years is going to be an issue with Montreal. Uh, I read on Twitter, I forget who put it out, but he said it's almost the reverse of the price years. You're going to have a you're going to have a, a shitty team with a great goaltender, but now it looks like you're building a really good team with no goaltender. So, uh, uh, but I, I, Hughes and Gordon are smart. They know what they're doing and they're going to address the issues. You just have to relax and accept the process for what it is. It is a rebuild for a reason. Um, yeah. And you're just going to have to get used to it. You know, before we get into that, as part of the trade talk that we we're going to get into, uh, I just want to bring up one last point about the game tonight. So the Canadians have the worst power play. They have one of the um, the bottom ten penalty kills now. They've they've had a really bad stretch. Yeah, they they went from twelfth to twenty in like a matter of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're letting in that many goals, mm. it happens. Um, so there's a lack of offense. There's a lack of defense, uh, and the effort needs to come up a little bit. We've talked about effort at ad nauseum. But it's a lack of offense at five on five. I mean, Cole Caulfield is scoring. He's leading the team in goals. I think he's got 21 now after his two goals yeah, in Washington. Yeah. Um, but Nick Suzuki hasn't scored in he's got one goal in the last 10 or 12 games. Kirby Doc only has one goal in the last 20-ish. But they're still getting points. That line's still getting points, Doc and Suzuki. Um, but they need they need someone to score goals, and without Monahan there to stabilize the lines, it's throwing the Canadians' offensive uh, attack completely off. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. And and one thing I'm going to go back with the PK. The PK is at 12% when Davis Averd was on the PK. When he got injured is when that started dropping and they started letting the goals in on the power on the PK. So just going back to the effort and how you may not think Davis Averd is important because he's meh and he is, but he's also playing above what he should be. But and the spots that he's supposed to be in and he's supposed to be successful at, he's been very successful at for the Montreal Canadiens. Exactly. And losing Gooley does, is not going to help the PK no. either because he plays a lot of minutes there. Jack Eye is going to have to step a little, a little bit more. And so this game against Nashville, uh, it me, it's it's more important for the Predators because they're in that playoff run. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that the Canadians may feel more desire for this win so that they can right the ship. They want to start 2023 off properly. Yeah. Whether they win or lose, as long as they make this game uh, a game where you can watch it from start to finish, they're in the game the entire time, and everybody gives what they have, then St. Louis is probably going to be satisfied. The fans will be happy. And maybe that means all that garbage we saw in December is behind them. Well... This is the first sustained losing streak Montreal's had that's been above two games. Um, but however, it's been disaster. What seven goals, five goals, nine goals? I think in the last three games against, and they scored five four. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been disastrous. And I mean, that game against Washington was just a total shit show. Like no no one played a good game Caulfield with his two goals but that was about it and to top it all you know what the fuck Charlie where's my where's my jockstrap Lindgren was in the nets for uh, Washington no no you know what's worse after the game (laughs) mother's trip so after the game the moms instead of going to uh, console their sons you're like let's go get a selfie with Ovechkin yeah, that was funny. He scores a hat trick so against he, the team. Yeah. yeah. Scores a hat trick and then he's he's scoring all the moms. The story <laughs> of that game was Ovechkin wanted to come out and meet the moms of the Montreal Canadiens yeah. and just say hi yeah, to these. So exactly. Like, that's the story. It just it's just kind of it's funny. Yeah. I spanked your boys for you. So here, here, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. You don't have to do it. I did it for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very nice. It's, it's nice that he wanted to meet the moms, and the, it's great that they got a chance to meet him. I mean, this is a guy who's instantly in the Hall of Fame. So, eh, he's okay. I don't see him breaking any major records anytime soon. He's no Joel Armia. Literally, no, my, like, he's, he, no, he's not. He's not even close. He's the opposite. Yeah. So there's Joel Armia, and then there's Alexander Ovechkin. When it comes to goals, remember I said he was a black hole for goals, uh, Armia? Yeah. yeah, Ovechkin is the rocket for goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll move on to the last few minutes of the show here and talk a little bit about the trade talk that we've been over that we've we've heard some stuff on. We've so we'll start with the goaltending because we, we just talked about that. We know Hughes is kicking tires. Now, I've heard the name Devin Levi. I've okay, so just so people know, we are covering the world juniors for the hockey writers, and we're up in the press box. We hear a lot of things from people in the know. 
Um, and scouts, Devin Levy. Uh, I was talking to some scouts. I talked yeah. to a couple of GMs as well. Yeah. Uh, Devin Levy is uh, the name that uh, Ken Hughes is, well, not throwing around, but that looks like the target that Hughes has for uh, fixing his future goaltending issues. Um, Wolf from Calgary is another name. That's that's brought. He's looking for an almost NHL ready goaltender that's buried in a system full of goaltenders, uh, which is a genius because you know something's going to give, right? So um, the issue is Devin Levy is going to come at a price. What that price is, I don't know, but uh, he's not going to be cheap. Well, see, here's the uh, here's the rub with Devin Levi. He's at he's in college right now. Northeastern. Yeah. I know it's weird how Hughes even knows about him. Uh, you know, he just happens to be his son's teammate. But uh, and St. Louis son, <laughs> they, all, they all play together. There, there's no but connection there whatsoever. None. Um, but Levi can be a free agent. He doesn't have to sign with uh, with uh, Buffalo. So while he is valuable. He is buried behind four or five other goaltenders in the system. Even if he is, uh, some people may think he's better than the other ones. He's still lower on that depth chart. And he may choose not to sign for that simple reason. And where would he be more likely to go? Would he be more likely to sign with someone who he's known for several years uh, in Hughes? Would he want to go to his hometown in Montreal? I mean, there's those options there. there. There's options there. I just think Buffalo is going to do what they can to get this guy under contract and then try to move him. Um, yeah. By saying, hey, we're going to sign you, but we're going to try to trade you. You know what I mean? Or, But then it's all in Devin Levy's. I think he's in his last year of university as well. So it's all in his in his hands. But does uh, then you got to ask, does Hughes and them want to wait that long? Like, do they want to take the chance? Because maybe Devin Levy looks at and someone like Colorado comes up to him and says, hey, we like to have on our team. Like, our goaltending is middle of the road. You could be our future. We got a Stanley Cup winner that when we're healthy, we could win another Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of factors. I mean, if we can get him for nothing and just sign a contract to him, say, here you go, bud. Great. Um, and that's where I was getting at because the value, yeah. while he has a high value in theory, in reality, goaltenders have a lower value than you expect. So uh, if, yeah. if, if, fan, if Buffalo fans are thinking, oh, we're going to get a, you know, a late first or a high second, I, mm. I, would, I wouldn't hold my breath. You might get a B-level prospect and a pick. Or Joel Armia. Well, he did start in Buffalo. He was a first-round draft pick from by the Buffalo Sabres. 16th overall. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I think that's that's a it's a focus for Hughes. I think it's a when we were just talking about you build a good team and then worry about the goaltending after. But he is, he, it looks like he's kicking tires on every option. But he's kicking tires on the, the future goal. Like he's not looking at goalies yeah. now and going, no. all right, you know, this guy's playing really good. Can we wrestle him away from whoever? Um, or who's a free agent in the next couple of years? I did an article on that yeah. a couple of months ago, like uh, in the 2020, 2025, I think, season. 
these goalies are going to be free agents. They're still going to be under the age of 30. Uh, that's a possibility too, because around 2025, 2026 is when you're looking at, okay, we're, we're starting to become a playoff team. Let's take that next step. Um, I mean, and you still have the Chow and Doves too. Like we, the book's still out on them. Uh, they're not having terrible seasons. I mean, Doves is in a weaker NCAA division, uh, but his numbers are good. Or they're actually stellar, really. Uh, Dachau's playing. In this, kill, yeah, he's killing it out in Europe. A uh, 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 Dachau. I say Dachau, but it's Dachau. Um, actually, it's Dickau. But anyway, <laughs> we won't pronounce it that way. We have um, enough dicks on this show. Yeah, yeah. Imagine when he starts playing with my sack. Um, <laughs> So anyway, he's 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 a backup for his uh, his team in the uh, Swedish Hockey League in the SHL, uh, but he he's been uh, he's been good. Uh, Patrick Brexels, I know high on him, so we'll see. Uh, and he's the guy over there. He's the guy watching him all the time. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, Hughes and Gordon just want to leave all their doors open and all their avenues that they can have to build a team of the future. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that I, I like the fact that it's well known that he's doing this, and there's there's some really good names attached to what he's trying to do. Uh, the last one that I want to talk about before we end the show uh, is Monahan. He's out injured right now, but he had 17 points in 23 games. When he comes back, he'll be healthy because it was his foot, not his hips. So. With him coming back, I can't really think that the Canadians are going to hold on to him, especially with uh, the trade market being what it is. There's going to be teams out there looking for uh, a center like him. Well, so we were talking uh, at the press box last night and a couple of people saying, I can see Montreal side about a hand. I'll say this. Hughes has come out and said he wants a third first round pick for this year's draft. Monaghan's going to get you a third first round pick for this year's draft at the upcoming trade deadline. Here's the scenario. If you can get a first round pick for Joel, Joel Edmondson from whoever for this year, then maybe they do sign Monaghan. But here's what you got to, you got to know what Monaghan wants to sign for before you make that trade. Before all, oh, actually, you can still make the trade, but before you make that decision on whether you're signing Monaghan or not, um, and that—that's what the issue is going to be. Montreal's already hampered by players that aren't meeting expectations with high contracts. Uh, Anderson, Gallagher, Armia, you know, all these guys are making. Well, Armia's uh, Armia's three point four or whatever it is, but yeah. Anderson and Gallagher are making over five million dollars each. And the production is just not at $5 million production. Gallagher's making what, six and a half or something like that. So, um, yeah. Monaghan's not a stupid guy. Don't get me wrong. And he's sitting there going, Hey, I'm almost a point per player guy when healthy. You know what I mean? Like I made six and a half million dollars with Calgary when I was scoring 80, 90 points. I think I can get back to that. I want at least five and a half million for four years or whatever it is. Right. And this guy's going to be 30 soon. So do you want another 30 year old with injury 
issues at five and a half million for four years. And then if you only sign him for four years, he's not even there when you're at the point where you want to, when you're going to be that contending team. And that's why I don't think uh, the Canadians will keep him. That's why I think yeah. they will trade him. And any team picking him up just because he wants that contract doesn't mean they're, they're not going to trade for him unless they can give him that. He's a rental. If you've got a team oh, that's close sure. to, that's really close to being a cup winner, or you think you're going to be a cup winner, you're willing to sacrifice that first. Like you, you look at Pittsburgh, their window's pretty much closing. They could use a Monahan to, you know, tie things together for them and give them a really good chance. Um, the Devils, they could use a, a veteran center to help out. He also plays on the wing. Hell, even the Bruins. So if one of those teams is willing to give you a first-round pick, you jump at it, especially with the 2023 pick. Yeah, I, I you know what? I If anyone offered me a 2023 first-round pick, I'd be like, yep, he's yours, all yours. You know what I mean? Um, if it's a later pick, I might... percent of the cap. If it's a later pick, I might say, well, give me a sweetener. We'll eat 50% of the cap throw me in a B-level prospect with that first-round pick, and, yeah. and we're good to go. Um, but now, and I mean, I know we were going to talk about it, but Joel, Joel Edmondson is on the trade block as well. And if you can get a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt, you're definitely going to get a first-round pick plus for Joel Edmondson. Well, I thought it was already a guarantee that Edmondson was going to be an oiler. Well, it is. Wink, wink. I have my sources, which is just me making shit up. Uh <laughs> Uh, sources are uh, dude trust me <laughs> I know my shit my sources is hockey insider the more ours the more inside they are oh big time alright well I guess that does uh, it for this episode uh, any final thoughts uh nope but Connor Bedard is an amazing player uh watching him live and listening just talking to him in behind the scenes he's just man if Montreal can get him we're on our way however I still stick to my Montreal does not need Connor Bedard to have a successful rebuild although it would be nice to have he'll, he'll really really help really help and if the Canadians do get him, they can thank Florida for winning the lottery and handing them Connor Bernard. Thanks, time to hunt. Uh, and for me, I would just want to thank everybody for their patience um, with me not having a voice, uh, Matt on holidays, and Treg and I both working at the uh, World Juniors. We haven't had a lot of time to put out a lot of episodes over the holidays. So uh, thank I want to thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy new year, the best to everyone. And I also want to thank everyone for uh, 2022. Uh, you guys really helped us grow the show. Uh, we've got a lot more subscribers. We've got a lot more followers, uh, a lot more interaction with, uh, with all of you, uh, you newcomers to the uh, Habs Unfiltered community. So I want to thank you all for, joining us for interacting with us and listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. 
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.